This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle for Gronkowski, makes the grab at the 45, spinning away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and a throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown, touchdown Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass Matt Ryan today. He's looking to throw again. Wide open. Julio Jones has it. And in the end zone, touchdown Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Cover 2 Podcast with Banks and Stevens. I'm Don Banks. Nick Stevens is off to my left as your co-host. Oh man, I thought you were going to say Nick Stevens is off. Well, I could cut it. Edit that, Kev. Cut it off at off. Uh, Kevin Collins is our producer. Once again, we have finally arrived at week one of the regular season. Uh, busy show today. We're going to cover. Remember the a old, lot of ground to cover. Remember in the pod. old Smokey and the Bandits song? We got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Mm-hmm. That's us today. That is us. Timely reference. Uh, yeah, I think it was 78 ish mm-hmm. or so. Uh, 40 years, probably an anniversary. Plugged in. We, um, at, taking a page for what we did last week, um, last Thursday, the NFL Media slash NFL Network had their kickoff event, Media Avail, and I went back down to New York um, and talked to, among others, Kurt Warner, Hall of Famer Kurt Warner, Steve Smith, and Willie McGinnis. And remind me to tell you, on the Acela ride home, I sat next to Jessica Lang on the train. Did you? You see? have got to be kidding me. I am me. not kidding. Do not bury the lead. That this was just in. That was actually the highlight of my entire week. Yes, maybe maybe Friendly? month. Very nice. It was crazy as I did not recognize her at first, and she was very casually dressed, no makeup, jeans and sneakers. She sat right next to me because I had an open seat, and we kind of chit chatted. I actually made her laugh a couple times we were making fun of a steward that was over now he's now he's just now he's just bragging now i was gonna now say but it was this, w- cool. this went from cool to humble brag it was like kind of cool but um did you get her number i did not no but i i did say nice things to her uh, on, on uh, upon leaving the train anyone who sits next to a cast member of tootsie on an accelerator as far as i'm concerned that's Hollywood royalty. That's truly like one of the most underrated great American actresses I, I 20th totally century. Agree. I totally agree. I think she's been all one of my all-time top five actresses. And I told her that my f- personal favorite was actually a movie called Country, which Sam Shepard was in with her. Her ex-husband. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I don't think they ever were married, but they were partners for a long ex- time. And kids. Yes. They have kids and everything. So anyway. How about that? Wow, yeah. that, that is quite a you trip You didn't there. see it. I put it on Twitter. I put it on Facebook. Uh, yeah, I have no. kids' no? life. Yeah, people really reacted. They wanted to hear about the Jessica Lange. Income. Yeah, I mean, yeah. L- look, She's I'm excited to get to the Steve Smith, Kurt Warner, and William McGinnis <laughs> audio as much as everyone else who's a consumer of all things football on the Cover 2 podcast. But not too often it, do we get somebody like yourself, a football sage who's also a bit of a hidden pop cultureista, next to... Uh, a theatrical and cinematic gem like Jessica Lange. And, and I'll say this. Uh, it's now my, one of my top three sightings because I met Steve Buscemi on the street in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. close to where we lived, he lived, yep. a few years ago. And then the night before the Ravens-Niners Super Bowl in a New Orleans restaurant, 
My wife and I were having dinner. I look over at the table next to us is Alan Arkin and his wife. Get out! One of my again, one of my favorite. Did you say Argo blank yourself? I I I told him. I literally I got up to leave and I said, Mr. Arkin is, is great dining next to you. I said I've seen everything you've done. He said you've seen everything I've done, everything like that. And I just like totally <laughs> just Alan, like start. Th- he's just coming out of the bullpen throwing Alan Arkin. He heat. just Alan Arkin me right there. And I said, well, not everything, but let me. Uh, only one I can add to that, since we're on that subject before we get into everything we got this week. Uh, 2004, I got kicked off of, or I was voted off of, the ESPN Sports Center reality game show host that I was on, Dream Job, compete when I was competing to be a Sports Center host. This is my first reality show, only reality show I've ever done, thank God. And once you were voted off the show and you shook hands with the late, great Stuart Scott and everything, you go out for drinks with the cast, maybe I stayed up a little too late. The next morning, still feeling the previous evening, I had to go on cold pizza with Jay Crawford and Kit Hoover. Remember the short-lived yep. ESPN2 morning show? Yep. I was kind of, I was a little dinged up still at that point. And who in the green room waiting to go on before me? The one and only Christopher McDonald. That's right. Shooter McGavin himself. One wow. of my absolute favorite roles, characters in movie history. And I said, man, I just got kicked off this reality show last night. I feel like you've been sent here just to put a smile on my face. And he's like, that's that's great, kid. Uh, who are you again? <laughs> you pull Wait, it? what's what's dream job? Yeah, yeah, that's great. He was wired. He was a he was a he was a wild uh, man. Well. But uh, he uh, we started doing Shooter McGavin quotes for a minute. I was like, you know what? Everything's going to be all right. Uh, Jessica Lang could not have been nicer, and and uh, I did not embarrass myself. No selfies, no autographs, nothing like that. I just said it was very very great to meet you, and uh, and yeah, I said the selfie move, cool. selfie move is a little yeah, aggressive. That would have been awful. Anyway. Uh, week one of the regular season has arrived. We're going to give you our picks. Nick and I are both going to break down our division-by-division division picks, plus all the major awards. I didn't just cut and paste. I painstakingly spent hours going game-by-game. Game. All 256? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's uh Hey, listen, I took, more the, I took the Wonderlick this weekend. You want to know what I got first score? <laughs> yes. Uh, we we I had a fantasy draft. My commissioner decided we would draft in the order of who scored best on the Wonderlick. So I did all right. Actually, I got third pick. I got a 43. Uh, so it's a three-man league? Uh, 12. <laughs> Don's got jokes. No, s- someone actually got a 47. I picked uh, 47, 45. I got a 43, which isn't bad. Try to stay with me. Wow. I'm quick. Yeah. All right. That's great. Not bad, I'm, huh? I'm happy for you. Yeah. Three out of 12. Three. I picked three out of 12. Yeah. That's not yeah, bad. Not the Wonder- bad. It's a fun test, though, but I can see why. Yeah. The, the quick, the quick to sit, like processing math, real problems, 50 questions in 12 minutes. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a, uh, boy, what did Vince Young get? Like a 10? Uh, a 6, maybe? Sad, Something like yeah. that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about all the, the huge news uh, over the Labor Day weekend, starting obviously with the Khalil Mack trade. I hate this trade. I think the Bears um, made a bold move, but a, a smart move, and I think the Raiders will rue it. And I think it's further proof that John Gruden is trying to coach old school because that's old school thinking that you can't pay – Arguably your best player. Two twenty something million dollar contracts a year? You can with the cap going up 10% every year. It's, you, it's like, what is it, like 170 now? You now got hamstrung because you think you're paying a non-quarterback quarterback money. You can't think of it that way. I think John Gruden is still... Let me I'm tell sorry, you something, trapped, Don. Trapped in 1998. Is he sort of taking a Hugh Jackson approach? Like, hey... Listen, when you've got one of these over here, then you can tell me what you want me to do. Uh, all right, there, I hope, Don. I hope not, because half uh, that, half that belongs is, to Dungey. I, I, I half three quarters, and the rest of it belongs to the Raiders for putting in Callahan and keeping Gruden's plans intact. 
A, I think he's literally like doing jazz at this point now. I think he's just sort of like he's just improv. doing he's just doing improv. He's doing NFL GM session jazz. Can we at call this him point. Miles Gruden? Miles Gruden. <laughs> if if he were like a decent version of uh, the evil the evil teacher from uh, that movie, then I would be okay. I'd be okay with all this. But uh, good gravy. Also. Continuing with the same old joke, it's like he's still trying to assemble the ultimate 2013 fantasy team. They have the oldest roster in the NFL. Uh, it was figured out over the weekend. I think 27.8. Uh, so tell me how a rebuild works when you're getting older. <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. I. I don't. And I'm. I'm sorry. I think Mac is is a is a generational Hall of Fame level player. And you don't arguably let, the best defensive player in the NFL. You don't let those walk out. Certainly top. Three, top three, certainly. top five. You can actually, what you can do, and Gruden just doesn't seem to realize this, is you can have a tent pole player on offense, right? $20 million plus, and you can have, because of the high cap now, a tent pole player on defense. And what gift could you give an incoming coach slash GM who hasn't been in the league in a long time, decade plus, what greater gift could you give than a franchise-level quarterback and then a franchise-defining defensive player? And instead, he pardon my French, pisses it away for... Now, he gets two first-round picks. Those what are you guarantees. doing? But what, yeah, The Bears are going to be better. Those aren't going to be the picks that they were this year, number one, John. And number two, what are you doing throwing in a number two because that second-round pick that they're throwing back in is going to be like pick 34. He actually, I think, threw McKenzie under the bus and said my, it wasn't my idea to throw the second back in. So, look, he's running the show. The buck stops at his desk. That's why he got the huge contract from Mark Davis. I, I think they're starting very ominously for Mr. Gruden in Oakland. I think that deal will go down um, as, you know, talk about the honeymoon is over for him already in Oakland. That deal, I think, will go down in history for the Raider fan who um, who could see it for what it is, um, a giveaway of a special player, especially for a team that's trying to relocate and then develop mm-hmm. a fan base in Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Every single Raiders fan that I saw on Twitter and also the players that weighed in all hated the trade on the West Coast. Meanwhile, in the Midway, people were losing their minds. All of a sudden now yeah. I'm hearing talk about the Bears being a wild card team, people saying that Chicago is reborn. Uh, you know, Nagy now has Nagy, Nagy, whatever. Let's call the whole thing off. Now he's got now he can just basically just worry about the offense because the defense is set. I'm not ready to go there. I think Trubis- I got to see what Trubisky has in year two if he can take that proverbial big second year step. Um, look, they're better, and they may be now, you know, 500 material where I, I didn't quite have them there because if they get Roquan Smith on the field, healthy and playing well, and then you add Khalil Mack, that is in Vince um, Fangio's hands a defensive coordinator who knows what to do with good players. That is. The, the makings of a really legit defense. But, um, boy, I give Oakland uh, all kinds of grief for that move. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a panic move. He basically said, well, we signed our quarterback to a long-term deal, and that cost us Khalil Mack, and that's not outside-of-the-box thinking. I don't think Al Davis would have looked at it that way. Uh, still no Le'Veon Bell as of Wednesday morning at about uh, See, almost 11 a.m. His team kicks off in 99 hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't like where this one's headed either. Nope. I don't. Oh, I'm uh, so sorry. Fourteen and a half million isn't worth guaranteed. Isn't is isn't enough to get you to camp, or in in the building in time for the walkthrough. He seems to be sending a message that he's in total control of this situation. The Steelers are not. However, um, I think there's a point where the Steelers may, you know, 
hey, you know what, bro? We're good. We're gonna. Can they pull the offer down, Don? Because they yeah, keep talking I mean, about how happy they are with Connor. And don't you get to a point where as much as they may love him and as unique as his talent may be, that he could be disruptive? I was reading something last night that said Le'Veon Bell has plans to not let them give him the DeMarco Murray special, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think if he walks back in in an hour, they'll probably ride him uh, as much as they can this year, knowing that he's he's gone, gone, gone. And they do have Super Bowl uh, aspirations with him in the lineup. However, I do think there's a point where, you know, he could, he could turn um, what has always been a positive and his ability to kind of, you know what, I'll, I'll get there when I want to get there um, and turn it on, flip a switch. He could turn that into a negative of some sort. Hey, tough weekend for uh, backup quarterbacks. Paxton Lynch, wow, that uh, that's, poor Uncle Rico. That's going on yeah. uh, Elway's permanent record. Sure is. Uh, the Giants cut Davis Webb, who was mm-hmm. Ben McAdoo's starter to be when he benched Eli and, last December, but yet had to put in Geno Smith because of the proper pecking order. And now they, Pat Shermer didn't even think he was worth a roster spot. The Bills trade AJ McCarron and say thank you for your service in August. Won that legendary game. <laughs> Yep. In week four, mm-hmm. legendary. And by the way, A.J. McCarron, uh, it should be said, as one of the players responsible for the Bengals not winning that playoff game a couple of years ago, now becomes a de facto starting running back in the confines of the stadium we do the podcast from, A.J. McCarron should have a playoff win under his belt. He played really well that night against the Steelers a couple of years ago when Jeremy oh, right. fumbled with two right. years left. Yes. McCarron played a hell of a game. Oh, yeah. It was Adam Jones and... Uh, and, it was Adam Bontes, perfect. Adam Montes Jones and Jeremy Hill's fumble that precipitated all the madness. Lost it. Totally gave it away. Yep. Or Marvin Lewis would have that long sought. Hey, you know, victory. if I if I knew I could have had AJ McCarron, I would have traded Derek Carr and kept Khalil Mack. Is that is, there, is that was John Gruden? Sort of. Yeah. Um, sounding like he was from Wisconsin. A little bit. Uh, or a Bears fan. Uh, what other uh, headlines? Oh well, we do know that the Bills are going Nathan Peterman, mm-hmm. which is we talked about before the show, is proof right. that Colin Kaepernick has been colluded against. And, and that leads into the Kaepernick discussion. But props right. to Jimmy Train, as someone you used to work with uh, at a, some sports publication. I can't remember the name of it now. Sports Illustrated. Thank you. Oh, Jesus Christ. That uh, the unbelievable idea that Nathan Peterman is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Brock Osweiler is in the league, and Colin Kaepernick can't get work. Proof. Yeah. He should just print that out and yep. walk into court and hand that in his exhibit A. Great tweet. Totally agree. Uh, Peterman, still a great catalog, but I'm not sure he's... All right, why don't we just do this? It's time for Don's over-unders. Number of games Peterman starts. Uh, Three and a half, the over-under. Three. Okay, you're going to take the under. Yeah, I'll take the under. I think Allen's in there. Josh Allen's in there fairly soon. I think Sam Darnold's going to be okay, but they got a rough opening schedule. Their first three games are kind of like a short week. It's a little trial by fire. Yeah. It's I'm not sure it's setting them up for the, the, the most uh the most likely success early on, but you know what, I get it why how they got there. Mm-hmm. Um let's talk a little bit about uh Nike comes out, gives Kaepernick basically a new ad campaign, which um obviously burned up social media. Here's my thing. Nike is a burned glo- up more than social media. <laughs> Nike's a global uh, entity. They did their research. They figured out where the plus and the minus was going to be. Um, I don't know how many th- hundreds of people I saw on Twitter say, I don't own any stuff, but I'm going out and buying, or I just bought it. Um, I think they're. I think that Nike feels this is a, a good business move, even though 
Yes, as right. Chris Long said, there's going to be people out there uh, burning their what is it, monarchs? Yeah. Is that the, the yeah the Pete Carroll shoe? Right now, uh, first I would like to thank Nike for nothing else than just giving us a something to talk about to distract us from making a lot of obnoxious predictions and doing all the wonky pre week one stuff. But also the memes that were generated from that yesterday were outstanding. So, like, they took the picture, you know, something, something, sacrificing everything with the close-up of Colin Kaepernick. I saw hundreds of variations of that on social media. By far the best one, maybe a little pop culture and nerdy for you, Don. It was a picture of the villain from the last X-Men movie who has something about having to sacrifice half of everything because he kills half of humankind in the movie. I did see that. I didn't understand it because I didn't see the movie. Just absolutely. And the ones with Jerry Jones, Arthur Blank. You know, something, something, sacrificing a 28-3 lead. It was great. It was great. And this is what Nike figured out. This is why, controversial as it may be, they're so smart. Because look at the way they got our attention and moved the needle with just one image. picture. One black and white image has moved. We haven't seen a Colin Kaepernick shoe. Nope. We haven't seen a Colin Kaepernick shirt. Nothing. We saw one image and we heard about a deal and it has lit the sports world on fire. Yeah, I... I, I... I laughed when I heard people say, "Oh, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna rue the day." I don't think so. I think they did their market research and they decided that it was gonna create brand loyalty for the target audience. And if they lost some, they thought it was going to be well made up for by what they gained. And I'll be shocked if that's not the case. And yes, the stock market dipped for them like it did everyone else initially right. yesterday. Um, but I, I I think they. I think this was a calculated move. I don't think this was just something they tossed off, thought of Sunday night, and came out with this early is a, in the week. This is a global brand. Right. This is a, this is a massive decision. Sure, they're going to piss some people off. I did see sneakers burning. Yep. I saw socks where the Nike logo had been cut out of them. You've already bought that stuff. That money's already in their pocket, though. Right. I, I, I mean, you can say I'll never buy their stuff again. What is it you think that angers the average working stiff, the the the, the military veteran, the law enforcement, et cetera? Is it is it the fact that he wore those socks to that one practice? Well, that that yeah, that certainly I was offensive like that, to a lot of people. I feel like that upsets people more than even just yeah. that first image of him sitting. Because don't forget, he sat before he took a knee. Right, and then the then his friend uh, and I'm forgetting was it Nate Boyer, the military mm-hmm. um, veteran player, who said, you know, soldiers. Actually, you know, show respect by taking a knee. You should take the knee instead of sit. So anyway, um, not to totally rehash that uh, controversy of 2016, but um, the the league did put out a statement of some vague language, but at least support for the issues of social justice that the players care about, which I thought was a little even further than I expect them to do. Mm -hmm. I thought thought they'd try to close their eyes, tap their heels three times, and make it go away. No, the NFL actually, I thought, did a decent job of trying to either not get ahead of the story, but be in line with it by saying that they want to promote dialogue and social justice. So, not bad. bad. I can't believe I'm saying this, but as far as NFL PR goes, not bad. And another big story yesterday, obviously, uh, Bob Woodward's big new book about the Patriots. Am I mixing up my storylines there? Yes, I am. I think, I think he did the uh, – I think he might have that book coming out about some uh, another um, polarizing owner. Mark Leibovich. Another, another popular – or well, yeah, another – Former lo- football. Figure. It's a friend of his, I think. Former football yes. team owner. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, and these two books I think are going to dominate for a while. But uh, the big game came out yesterday. I have to admit, I have not seen it. I have not read it. I have only read kind of excerpts in other people's coverage. Um, first of all, I'm I'm just shocked that he got the access that he got. Yeah. Uh, 
And I wonder what the response is going to be like in the league office. Um, when you spend, I believe you spent since 2014, so for almost four years working on this book, um, and it seems to be obviously packed with a lot of inside information that has not been um, previously disclosed to the public. I think you're going to have the league office very nervous for a while. And yeah. this um, this kind of access, I'm, I'm astounded, just as I'm astounded that even Bob Woodward gets the kind of access that he apparently got uh, for the new President Trump book, or the new White House uh, memoir. The conversation alone between Woodward and Trump yesterday was priceless. It Just was, absolutely priceless. If I mean, maybe Leibovich has tapes that he's going to play as well, but uh, are, were, are you planning on... Um, reading that book? Reading this book as a Patriots diehard? Oh, yeah. Yep. If I can get my hands on it, for sure. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I'd love to, especially because, yeah, that as we know, access here... Yes, is limited. It's difficult. Well, Tom Brady apparently trusts him uh, mm-hmm. and, and gave him great access, not only his home in Brookline, but mm-hmm. um, I believe in New York City as well. Hey, listen, speaking of Tom Brady's home in Brookline, what do you think I'm going to be doing as soon as we're done with this podcast? Sitting by a computer for the clock to strike 12 so I can watch the final five-minute epilogue of Tom versus Time. That is today, isn't it? Better not yeah. say he's retiring. That is today. All right, well, let's jump into our picks column without further ado. Uh, we're going to do two divisions, then we're going to have our first guest, uh, a, an audio clip that I gleaned last Thursday at the NFL Network uh, media availability. We're going to hear from uh, Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner first. But I'm going to start. AFC East, the biggest layup in football history. Uh, I went with New England to win, the Jets to finish second. Ooh, coming out hot out of Buffalo the gate. Buffalo to finish third, and the Dolphins who might have better chemistry and culture but um, and leadership, but I'm not con- convinced their record is going to improve. Dolphins last. Who you got? Uh, you know who up top. Yeah. That is what it is. Got them going 12-4, and four, actually. I got the Dolphins coming in second place. Wow. The Jets squeezing in just underneath, and the Bills, a very ge- – I was feeling generous. A generous 4-12. and 12. Okay. So they will be the mirror. I mean, they, come on. They got a, they got a Monday nighter midseason against the Patriots – and then they got the Christmas Eve special last year. Of course, that was the game where Kelvin Benjamin kind of should have caught the touchdown. It he was, did catch it. He did kind of catch it, yeah. yeah. And then Gilmore was in coverage, and it was ruled not a touchdown. And uh, I just don't, I just don't see how the Bills are going to win a lot of games, Don. I really I, don't. They have a decent secondary. They I think percent- six, six is their ceiling. Woo. Yeah. Wow, Uncle Don. Is I think the, I think the Jets are going to actually. You remember last year, everyone said zero mm-hmm. sixteen, they, and they won five games, and they were competitive in four yep. others. So they got some decent. You know, and Nunwa's not bad at receiver. Robbie Anderson's got speed. They got some. Uh, they've been rebuilding the secondary for a while now. The D line's okay, and the word on Darnold is great. So, all right, okay. Well, that was the easy division, frankly. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see anyone that has not picked the Patriots to no. win the AFC East. No, there's been um, a little, just not a, t- a lot, but a little jet buzz. Yeah, a little, but no one's like no one's picking them nine and seven in the Pats ten and six even or something like no. that. AFC North, I kind of uh, I let this percolate all August, but I'm I'm going Baltimore. I believe that mm. first of all, I played a strong preseason. Mm-hmm. I'm banking on that Flacco really does have the sense of urgency he he appears to that John Harbaugh has as well. And that the Steelers, for all their talent, uh, will will kind of have an uneven season and an inconsistent season. So I went Baltimore 1, Pittsburgh 2, but both of them making the playoffs. Cleveland, a strong third, maybe 6, 7, mm-hmm. who knows, maybe 8 wins. 
in Cincinnati, a, a dark horse uh, playoff pick for a lot of people. I have them in the four spot. Wow. Wow. So it's nice to see we're already at odds, only two divisions in. I have the Steelers winning. I gave them an 11-5. and five. Schedule's a little tough at times, and I think that does include them actually beating the Patriots in a little bit of a wow. week before Christmas week revenge again. match. Week 15 again. Okay. Maybe they don't rush the play call like they did last year. Okay. I have the Bengals second, barely missing the wild card role. Uh, I have the Ravens just below them. I, I see them as okay, and I see them as competitive, but I don't see them as anything special. And then I have the Browns uh, being a very watchable losing team this year. I agree. I think they They'll win a couple games. I think they're going to be in almost every game, and I think they're almost going to beat the Steelers week one. I think they could be an entertaining 6-10, mm-hmm. 7-9 team that, that will be worth, worth your time rather than strictly out of the factor of sadness. Um, You're not going to have more people rooting for them outside Cleveland than you will this year. Okay. A lot of people. A lot of. You know what I mean? Like they're okay. ca- they're a little bit of an American sweetheart right yeah, now. I, yeah, I think they. I I think people always saw them as <laughs> lovable, sad sack losers. I think now they're going to be just a little bit more lovable, and people want to see what it's like to see Cleveland play relevant football again. Hopefully, all season. All right. Um, if Kevin Collins, our producer, is paying attention, we're going to have our first uh, audio clip again from last Thursday's NFL Network session. This is Kurt Warner. Um, analyst for NFL Network, uh, and I ask him the following. A Patriots question. After this offseason, all that went on, do you think it will have any impact when the games start? And does it feel, I mean, eventually people predicting their demise are going to eventually be right? I think you might see be seeing a little bit of the deterioration of the relationship, you know, in the personal off-field relationship. Guys not seeing eye-to-eye. Guys, as they change and as Tom gets older, Wanting to do things a little bit different, and Bill being Bill that you know still wants to run it his way because that his way works, and so I think you might be seeing a little bit of that. But I also think you're you have two guys that are pros, pros, and they'll respect the other guy, and they'll come to work, and they'll do their job as well as they've ever done it, and they'll agree to disagree, and they won't let that get in the way of what they're trying to accomplish, in my opinion, is that I think they'll go back to work and they'll show up and they'll work together and they'll bust their butts and they'll have success again. Um, and so, you know, and that's the bottom line, is that, you know, I, I can tell you throughout my career, there were coaches that I didn't necessarily, you know, want to hang out with and have dinner with, uh, coaches that I didn't necessarily always see eye to eye with, you know, that maybe you don't always go out of your way to have an extra conversation because it, you know, it's just small talk. It's not uh, necessarily sincere. It's not great. But yeah. at the same time, I always respected my coaches for who they were. I respected their authority. I respected what they brought to the table that made us unique and really, really good. And I believe they respected that in me as well. And so we always coexisted with the ability to win and succeed together because whatever was going on personally, it never carried over between the lines. And that's what being a pro is all about, is that you're never going to get along with everybody. And you're never going to get along with everybody for 20 years. You know, I, I make the analogy, man, I've been married for 20 years. And, you know, we're not always happy. Yeah. You know, there's times we walk by each other in the kitchen and nobody talks to anybody. You know, it, it happens. But you coexist 
for the betterment of the whole and you work through some of those issues and sometimes you would just agree to disagree. We're not gonna agree on this, but that's not going to mean we gotta get a divorce. That doesn't mean we can't work together. That means, you know, it just means, okay, we're, we're different people, we have different opinions, but we can still coexist and succeed uh, with some of those things going on. I wanted to ask you a little bit. I was at the CBS Media Veil on Tuesday, and Romo came out and said that he thought Darnold could be the best of this bunch and, and the best quarterback in the league, which is obviously a mouthful. Um, do you see that? Do you see that potential, or where do you... I don't even look for that right now. I, I remember watching Ryan Leaf in his second preseason game. We played against him, and he looked every bit to be the next... Whatever you want to say. I mean, he played the part, he made every throw, he made runs, and I just sat back and go, wow, this guy's the real deal. So if you'd asked me right then, I would have probably said the same thing. Ah, he's the next whoever. Yep. And, you know, look what happened. A big takeaway there, uh, mm -hmm. Kurt and Brenda Warner clearly fight. Uh, <laughs> and second of all. Oh, so they're married. A 20-year 20, 20 uh, reminder of cautionary tale, the Ryan Leaf preseason in 98. I remember he did play very well. Thought I love that anecdote because I, I looked it up. Don't talk to me, all right? Knock it off! Thank you, Ryan. Uh, they played each other in the week two of the preseason. Um, the St. Louis Rams, Kurt was a backup, played right. at San Diego against the Chargers. I'm not saying Sam Darnold is uh, buyer beware, but it is good good advice to remember that the preseason can give us a false perception. Isn't it funny how everyone always has the I, – I like hearing the different verbiage. Whenever you talk to any of these current talking heads, former players, or respected NFL voices about – Brady, Belichick, the 2018 Patriots, their chances, et cetera. It always starts with something about, like, do your job. They're going to come in back to work. They're professionals. There's just variations upon the whole thing. Like, it almost, like, with the idea that there's a strong middle class here, this is like, the, it's not the New England Patriots. It's the, it's the New England proletariat. Right. You know, it's right. just everyone, yes, we come in and we do the job. We come into the professionals. Right. They do, they throw the football in the For score. the good of the state. For the, it is. It's for the good of the people. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's right. Again, that was my first takeaway when the Seth Wickersham story hit. I'm like, hey, what took so long for this to happen? I mean, right. you put successful people at that level of success together for 18 years, and there should be, at some point, some cracks due to ego, who gets the credit, uh, just we weariness from mm -hmm. having to deal with the same thing year after year with each other. We've said before on this podcast time and again, whether it's marriages, long-term relationships of any kind, be they personal or professional, if you've been in one, there's a good chance you've had friction, endured tension, or just had to overlook things to be successful. What's the end of the goal? What's the goal? To be happy together, have kids, or win Super Bowls in this case. So I like the fact that Kurt Warner said, yeah, I didn't always agree with him, but I'm a professional. You go in, you do your job, get it done, win a game, go home. Yeah, for you listeners out there, Nick and I do not even speak once we're off the air. Nope. We don't. We don't. Eye contact out. is forbidden. It's the Tom Cruise, Steve Harvey policy, and it's only been a year and a half. So, um, AFC South. Let's get back to our predictions. I think this is one of the most interesting. One of two most interesting divisions in football. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would agree. I think the uh, South and South. NFC South yep. is the other one, but the AFC South. I went back and forth, and I kept thinking, you know what? I can't see. Um, Deshaun Watson, if he stays healthy, not having success this season in Houston. So forget the 4-12 and last year. Remember how good they looked. Something like 35 points a game when he was in there. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. I'm going with Deshaun Watson and Houston to win the AFC South, and I'm going Jacksonville in the two spot, making the playoffs as a wild card, but it, it being tougher for the Jacksonville this year. Then Tennessee, a team I really thought would be better but didn't look like 
what I expected in the preseason. Lastly, an improved, hopeful Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. The Colts are a slightly more Midwestern Browns, as in I think they're going to score. I think they're going to be highly watchable. Unlike a few teams in the NFC that I think are going to be JPB just plain bad, I think some of the bad teams in the AFC are going to be fun to watch, and you're going to look forward to when your team plays them because they're going to push them to score more or play their best game. Maybe Cleveland will be tough to score on because Miles Garrett. I think the Colts, if you can keep T.Y. Hilton healthy, you got these young running backs and Ryan Grant, I think they're going to put some – and they got two good tight ends. Well, one and a half. Let's see which Ebron shows up. But Jack Doyle is highly underrated. So who you got in this division? Jags. By a whisker. I got the Jags winning. I got the Texans just a game off pace. Jagwagon. I thought he was giving us the Duvall. Uh, no, no, please. Why cue him up for that? I can't wait till he plays Fly Eagles Fly later. Duvall! Thanks, Don. Uh, the Texans, oh, my only issues with them, the fact that their secondary and linebacking core just, I know the pass rush is ferocious, and they can stop the run. Secondary isn't quite what it used to they be, got and the they honey have badger. Yeah, well, let's see how let's see let's see how he plays. I love the honey badger. So sure, everyone loves the honey badger. Uh, rumor has it he, he still care. doesn't care. He doesn't care. Uh -uh. They have no offensive line. They gave up fifty-four sacks last year, and it got worse. So you got to make in the playoffs, Houston. Yes. Oh yeah, purely on oh, the wild card. Purely on the power of, and I'm going to give one of these things away. On the arm and legs of your comeback player of the year, okay. Deshaun Watson. Okay, so we've got. The, the top two flipped. I've got Houston one, yep. Jacksonville two. You got it. Who do you have three? Titans, win, Titans winning record, not making the playoffs. Something I, I can't put. Maybe if Mariota showed a human emotion, I would, I'd say something otherwise. You think he's Android? I don't know what it is. He was I'm on Westworld, Westworld for two episodes. <laughs> Don's got jokes. Uh, they, they had a good draft. I like the Harold Landry pick. They got Rashawn Evans, who we all pegged as going to the Patriots. Uh, obviously, they signed as much Foxborough as possible in the offseason. They caught their limit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You're allowed three. Yeah. They have to throw the rest back. Their secondary, their starting cornerbacks are Patriots. Right. Right. So, let's say, uh, good team. Looking forward to that game in November, but mm, just off pace. All right. AFC West. Um, this is a division I have <laughs> little confidence in. I mean, you, everybody picks the Chargers this year. Everybody. I'm picking the Chargers, but... I just can't remember the last time I really th thought I knew what the Chargers were going to be, and it turned out. Because it's either a horrible start, nope. a.k.a. last year, mm -hmm. or they swoon at the end. They start hot and then die. But it's process of elimination. I'm going with the Chargers. I think Anthony Lynn a, is a good, solid coach. I think they're going back to the playoffs for the first time in five years, 2013. Kansas City in the two spot. I think Mahomes is going to be a great watch. Uh, but he's going to be inconsistent and streaky, and that defense stinks. I think that Chiefs defense is really bad. They try to get younger. I think it's going to be ugly at times. Number three, Oakland. Uh, we've talked them to death, but I don't think they're, they're more than six or seven wins at most. And four, uh, congratulations, John Elway. Two last-place finishes back-to-back, wow. -back, and that does not happen in Denver. I don't think Case Keenum is going to – play lights out there and i don't think they have much behind him wow take that to the banks jeez what do you got i didn't see that coming <laughs> uh i got the chargers as well yep i have the chiefs at 500 in second place and i think it's the defense that's just going to let them down there's no doubt they're going to score you got a top five tight end you got a deep threat in watkins kareem hunt is dynamite uh they're gonna score and mahomes can throw the ball over that mountain 
Uh, that kid has got arm to spare. And Andy Reid makes quarterbacks work. This is going to work. This isn't just some experiment. Kids under Andy Reid produce. But it's Eric Berry and on that defense. Yep. And he's coming back off a season-ending right. surgery week one against Gronk. That's great. Maybe he'll be able to match up against Gronk and a few other tight ends. But I don't see who else covers or stops no what Marcus on that defense. Peters. Yep. That's going to be bad news. Uh, Broncos uh, tied with the Chiefs in the middle of the pack. And then uh, the Raiders. You got the Raiders in oh, last. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly. They are, the could happen. they are the Bills, but with face paint and spikes on their shoulders. All right. We're now going to drop in a little audio with Steve Smith. If you guys listen to Steve Smith on the NFL Network, he is liable to say anything at any time. I, I love that about uh, what he's brought to his uh, TV analysis. Spent a little time with him last Thursday at the NFL Network media availability. In New England, the receiving, as you were asked, when you see Britt leave, Decker leave, Matthews leave, nobody seemingly there to plug in and and upgrade that receiver position and the Edelman suspension for four games. Do you, do you say in Tom Brady we trust and he'll figure it out with the new guys that he has? I think, I think you're going to – I think there's going to be some growing pains because there's new people that happens, but then you're going to have um, – some question marks, and then Tom's going to have his, the, the Tom Brady effect. And then I think ultimately, if it's not working out, they're going to do what they always do. And probably make a move or bring somebody in, just like they made moves to where um, even though they finish in the top ten in defense uh, after week five to get to the Super Bowl, what did they do? They picked up James Harrison because they had a good defense, but they wasn't get they were not getting what? Pressure and sacks. So they tried to bring him in there to get pressure and sacks because they knew getting pressure and sacks would increase, you know, taking away from the Philadelphia Eagles. So they understand what their weaknesses are. And nobody adapts better. And nobody adapts better thus far. Yeah. Okay, last question. What do you make of all the storylines from the offseason in New England? And you know the ones I'm talking about, all the melodrama. Is it? Are we looking at the beginning of the end, and I don't mean only the beginning, or are we looking at a team that inevitably someday had to have a window closed? I don't know if the window's closed, but what you're looking at as success, and when you're successful for how, as long as the as long as the New England Patriots have been successful, you're going to get people chipping away and looking for chinks in their armor to say, "This, ah, I know why they're not going to be good this year." Oh, they were. Week four, they need to improve. Ah, they improved. So when you have this much success, you're going to have people commenting. I, I give a different analogy. Is some people have said over the time, has Denzel Washington, he's making some of these movies are starting to be the same. But, yeah, you still go see the movies, and he still is doing a hell of a job, and you get your popcorn, and you get your soda, and you go pay that money to watch that movie. Because why? You know he's a good product. He's bankable. He's bankable. He's a great product. That's the first ever Denzel Washington uh, Patriots Dynasty comparison. Wait, would you agree? I, I think it's great. I think it's perfect. Thank you, Steve. Great talking to you. I didn't really know what to think about a Denzel Washington hmm. uh, Patriots Dynasty. I, mean, I, I know you're going to ask him because he didn't finish the game. Ice up, son. Ice up. <laughs> Still his best line ever. Oh, by far. His best well, That's one of the best lines 21st century NFL smack talk. Come Ice on. Ice up. Ice up, son. What he meant was 
you feel like you've seen this before. Most of the Denzel movies now are ultimately similar. They're formulaic. Kind of one, one seems like the other. They're formulaic. But you know what? You go because you like it. You right. go because you know what you're getting. And someone, he's basically saying that Denzel is Tom Brady. So Tom Brady is now officially the Denzel Washington of NFL like quarterbacks. Like he needed that on his resume. So that's how it's going to be. <laughs> Tom Brady going to be your quarterback. Wow, Nick. Nick does impersonation. Uh, well, actually, I had a comedian on our, our other radio show come in. Uh, lives in Boston. Big Pats fan by the name of Corey Rodriguez. Even on, on Instagram, I cannot recommend enough. He does Ask Denzel. He does a spot-on, perfect Denzel. He takes questions from fans and answers them. He's uh, He did one for Matt Light, one recently about Matt Light's charity and Tom Brady. Gold. Corey Rodriguez, look at him up. I but will. he's great. I will. I've been watching Denzel since uh, St. Elsewhere back on late 80s in on NBC. All right, back to predictions. We're going to jump into the NFC East. Don Banks uh, going to cover the <laughs> NFC East for you. <laughs> we are going to go. That's not bad. Uh, we are going to go, obviously, with Philadelphia. I think the Eagles um, are going to have a harder time this year. Um, I, I think they're going to be 11, 12 wins. Um, there we go. There but we go. they're going to de- repeat as division champs. Um, I just want to see the same level of hunger and drive. Um, but they're the class of this division, especially on defense. And that's taking into account the quarterback um, uncertainty early in the year with Nick Foles now named week one starter and Carson Wentz to be determined. How about – oh, I'm sorry. Let me go through the Mm -hmm. whole thing. Then I got the Giants. Uh, Don't have them quite making the playoffs, but I think they're going to return to contention after that dumpster fire last year. I believe in Barkley. I think Manning's going to play much, much better, and I think Pat Shermer was the right guy at the right time. Then I got the Cowboys. I never quite – I never quite get a handle on them. I don't know if they're they're any good at all, uh, but I think this is the season that will probably push Jason Garrett out the door. Another non-playoff. Lastly, Washington. Some people think they're dangerous. Alex Smith, I think, will play well, but you know what? Playing quarterback in the nation's capital is never easy. I think he'll figure that out rather quickly, as Kirk Cousins did. I have the. E A G L E S. Play it, Kevin. Eagles. Don't, don't, don't. Come on. I'm having such a good morning here, at least I thought I was. With, of course, the NFL record and fact book staring me in the face. Nick Foles catching the Philly special. All right, that's enough. Okay. All right. Long shot. Got the Eagles. Got the Giants just missing the playoffs, finishing second. I got the. I got Washington's football team finishing third, and I have the Cowboys as and their. The Patriots-esque how about them Cowboys? wide receiving core. Yeah, how about them Cowboys? How about 6-10 and 10 for the Cowboys? And, and not even. And you know what else is going to be disappointing about the Cowboys this year, in addition to the fact that they think that they can just ride Zeke straight into contention? Bad wide receiving core. Bunch of tight ends you never heard of before. And Dak, who's not the most accurate quarterback in the world, having to win games on his own without the talent that he used to have, thus giving you, once again, Irrelevant Cowboys on Thanksgiving. That's a bummer. Quite candidly, I think the Dallas Cowboys are an outstanding football team. All right. We heard from Jerry Jones there. Let's go to NFC North. I had no idea Jerry Jones was going to join us. NFC North. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a leap, and I think it's the Packers' year. I think the new general manager. You're on the pack this year, aren't you? I'm on the pack. Go, pack, go. (laughs) Who was that? Who was that? That's Fred. That was Fred. That's the one and only Fred Kirsch. Wow. Go, Pack, go. Uh, look, I used to hear that thing in I my know. head after covering the Bucks, 
And the Vikings, the Pack used to own them both, and uh, I heard that little ditty a few times uh, in the 90s. Once or twice. Uh, but new general manager, Brian Gutenkust. I like the two new coordinators, especially Mike Pettin. But don't forget Joe Philbin's back to call plays. I think the Packers, uh, and they made Aaron Rodgers happy, I think they're ready for a big season. I think this is the year they get back to that NFC elite category i'm putting minnesota at the two spot and putting them in the playoffs i think they'll be right on the packers butt all year mm-hmm. long um but i i don't think they beat green bay out i've got chicago a very hopeful third i just want to see if too risky takes that step but that defense is now potentially scary and i got matt patricia's first season in motown uh being real spotty and uh Maybe just a, you know what, we have to figure out who's part of the uh, problem and who's part of the solution type of year, and they weed out the problem, guys, and he builds some sort of foundation for the future. I see Patricia's stint in Detroit not going as poorly as McDaniels did in Denver, but I don't see it lasting longer than a couple of years. I, I, don't, I just don't have the I just don't have the confidence I thought I would I, with I'm him buying. taking over. I'm buying. Uh, I have the Vikings. Going thirteen and three, the Packers twelve and four. So I think that I think it's you a top it. heavy. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's top heavy. Uh, Vikings, Kirk Cousins, and his quote unquote brain coach getting it done. That defense is just great, and they've got good running backs. They got good wide receivers. They got a good tight end. Everything is there, and Zim's a great coach. Yep, he is. Uh, they made it to the NFC Championship last year, and I think have improved upon the squad. Why would I possibly, even with Green Bay coming back to form, bet against? The Vikes. Because Aaron Rodgers is healthy. Because Skull. I know, but he's never really had much luck against the Vikes, especially since Zim's come to town in the first place. And like I said, this defense only got better. Aaron Rodgers, you got good running backs. You got plenty of them. You got, this is the year we find out, okay, you got Devontae Adams and. There's a lot of ands in the wide receiving core. Got Jimmy Graham. That's going to help out a lot. That's huge. It can be huge. But let's find out if he's able to take the Geronimo Allisons and the, uh, Equinemius Saint, whatever, I can't even. I I'm not even going to try. I, I love it, though. I know. It's great. But can he make a lot of these guys into wide receiver twos and wide receiver threes? With $33 million a year, he probably should. Bears, more competitive than before. Defense gets it done. Offense work in progress. Lions, not good. Not good, Bob. All right. Before we hit our last two divisions, we're going to drop in a little Willie McGinnis audio from uh, NFL Network uh, media event last Thursday. Willie McGinnis, long time, I believe a Patriots Hall of Famer already, correct? Yep. Roll them. Your quick impressions with the fourth preseason games not having been played yet. It's due tonight against the Giants in New Jersey. Of the Patriots defense under Brian Flores, I was uh, at the Week 2 game against Philly, and they obviously brought a lot of pressure, made a lot of plays. Not as much last week against Carolina. What do you see from the Pats' defense so far? I see consistency. Um, I've sat in all meetings with Brian. I think he's able to uh, engage the players. He's able to communicate what he wants. I think the defense will have some different wrinkles under him. You know, I think each coach, each defensive coach has different personalities and things they like to do. But I think, you know, of course, they want to play the run really well, um, figure out how to get pressure. You know, I think we saw that against Philadelphia, breaking down teams, figuring out which players and how, regardless of how you're doing it. Um, I think there'll be a little more creativity and having guys like Hightower healthy, uh, guys like Rivers stepping up in the second year being being healthy, guys like Wise. Um, they're really excited about Billy. They've got, they've got a lot of people haven't really heard about 
And I think he's got some interesting ways of how to make them effective and, and making plays. So he's going to put them in position. Uh, skill set. So when I'm when I'm in the meetings and I'm watching it, I would I kind of you know I'm sitting there like, oh okay, I didn't think you would use this player like that, or versus you know this type of formation or whatever or personnel groups. He's starting to mix and match and do those a little bit better. So. I would say every week is going to be something different according to who they're playing against. And I expect a lot of consistency of what we've seen in the past few years with wrinkles. One attempt to put meat on that bone, would you say more aggressive might be a fair assessment of the defense under Brian Flores? Well, I would say being aggressive, you're pretty much pertaining to getting to the quarterback. Yeah. And when you do that, you leave your defensive backs out, you know, out there. So you got to have good coverage guys. And I think, you know, bringing over the McCourty brother and um, Stephon Gilmore is now comfortable in the defense. He told me at camp he really understands everything and he's excited about it. He's he's flowing and a little more fluid. Um, you got to have good cover guys. You got to have guys that are able to, to sustain that coverage while the blitz gets there. Because if you don't, it can turn into big players. The hype train is is already. You know, developed with Bentley. People saw what he did in, in that Week 2 game against Philly. Where are you at in terms of what you see? Is his, his ability, his athleticism is special. His speed is special. Do you think he'll be a playmaker right off the bat? I think so. I think they'll find ways to make him a playmaker and incorporate him on the defense. And since I've known that staff, it's always been about putting your best players on the field, trying to figure it out, and creating for them, putting them in position to be able to do that. So I know that's a guy they were high on, and I know they'll find different uh, exotic ways to get him in the mix. You were just speaking on, you think the next Super Bowl will be Tom's last, whenever it may come. That would be a a, a great walk-off point. Total gut hunch, as honest as you can be, how much longer do you think Bill Belichick coaches in this league? I think Bill, I I don't think there's a similar. I think he's excited. Um, and talking to him in camp, he still has that energy. He couldn't wait for, this, for the season to get going. Um, I think that's why you, you didn't see uh, a, a plan in place, you know, when for Josh success. signed back to say, hey, in two years he's taking over three years because he's still very, very motivated. He loves what he's doing, and he's winning. I mean, he's, his teams are playing really well. Um, it's not... I don't think it has anything to do with money or anything else. I just think him being around the players, he's still spending countless amount of hours in the facility, believe it or not. Um, you know, I know his, his girlfriend's trying to pull him away, get him to relax a little bit more, but he's he's engaged. I mean, he's in golf and football, man. He loves it. So when you say give me a number, as, un, as, as, as unpredictable as Belichick is with everything, there's no way I can sit here and say, I'm going to give you a two-year window or a three-year window. Even at 66, you could see him coaching past 70? I see him coaching as long as he wants. Yeah. I don't put a number on it. And you believe Tom, whenever the next Super Bowl happens, that would be his his opening? If it happens quickly. Right. You know, I think in the, in the three-year window, he says he wants to play five, so we got two down now, right? <laughs> so, And that three-year window, I think if he wins the Super Bowl, he'll he'll take a longer offseason. Uh going vacation, talking over with the missus. Um, he's got a lot of other things going on. I know he loves the game tremendously, but I think that'll be a good walking off point for anybody, especially when you're playing at a high level. 
I think that's a layup if he wins yeah. another ring. He gone. I know, and then it's Danny Etling's New England Patriots. <laughs> hey, you saw that bootleg against the Giants. That's right. Going to go RPO. Pretty McDaniels good, will. Pretty good speed. That's a really impressive speed. SEC, SEC speed. Yeah, right I was, it, was, it was sneaky fast for sure. Yeah, it was. You know, and I got to, I got to, I, I straight up, and if he does, I, I, who's going to hold a grudge against Tom Brady? Number one, uh, he should have let, uh, you know, he should have let him know because Garoppolo, we let the franchise. Just please enjoy yeah, it. Just, enjoy what you got while you got it, and then you'll figure it out from there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> hey, I'm glad he agrees. It's his uh, life. Thought it was interesting that uh, I, I don't think Belichick coaches past seventy. I really don't. I think once Brady's gone, maybe a year or two afterwards. Yeah, no. but I've heard he's been out scouting college kids for the twenty nineteen. Like Bill's a step ahead. Yeah, Bill. Mm-hmm. I, I think he still has. Remember okay. how he once said he'll never be Marv Levy. Mm-hmm. Still hanging around, right? Um, coaching into his seventies. He's not going to have a Joe Gibbs in two thousand seven, two thousand eight kind of tenure. No, I think if he still has fastball and he still has the passion like he does right now, then he's going to stick around. All right, quickly back to our our two thousand and eighteen NFL picks. We're on to the NFC South. We're on to Atlanta. I'm giving you that hint mm-hmm. right there. I'm picking the Falcons uh-huh. to win the most competitive division in football. I think they're well coached. I think they're loaded at many positions. I think Steve Sarkeesian is going to be better. I'm, I have them and the Saints neck and neck. I'm picking the Falcons, then the Saints, with the Saints being a wild card. Um, I'm going Carolina at number three. I want to see if North Turner is a, the right guy to bring out Cam Newton's best. And I have Tampa Bay once again in the four spot, an improved roster, but I just I don't like the leadership, and I think their change will be on the way. Tampa will score some points. Yep. They're also going to give up a ton. So let's not go ahead and worry about Jameis Winston's cockroach mating 2018 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Panthers, third-place team. Oh, that was what he talked about last year on Hard Knocks. It okay. was one of the weirdest things I've uh, ever seen in television history. I missed history. that one. Yeah, you should be glad you did. The Panthers, third-place team, winning team, O-line issues, tough schedule, two of the last three against the Saints, who I think just have enough to get by and have their number. So the Panthers are going to barely miss the playoffs. The Falcons, same record as last year, but I think it's a – if you can say it's a better – they're a better team even though they'll have the same record. Again, these teams have tough schedules. My Falcons reach. I love that. I think I that lo- was Hitchcock's The Birds, mm-hmm. actually. Pretty close. Uh, and the Saints win the division. Okay. I have we, the Saints. I have the, the Saints. We have flip-flopped again. Saints should have been in the NFC Championship yeah, last year. That's I, I don't know if it. that defense can play as well as they played last year, to be honest. I think they, they caught a little. The pass rusher they I coveted. Think they, I think they caught a little lightning in a bottle. I want to see if they can follow up that defensively. All right. They're going to put some points on the board, and Michael Thomas is going to go off this year. NFC West, I think, is pretty unanimous. Most mm-hmm. people like the Rams. They loaded up, obviously, with uh, all those big-name acquisitions in Dominican Sue, Marcus Peters, Brandon Cooks. Aaron Donald got paid. Aaron Donald finally got paid. This is a stacked team. Uh, there's no one-and-done playoff trip that's going to cut it for Sean McVay's team this year. I've got San Francisco having a Kind of a rough first half, but then I think they'll be a better team at the end, as they were last year, than they were at the beginning. Do not have them making the playoffs, but I have them coming close. But I think they take another step forward, maybe an 8-8, an 9-7, eight and eight, nine and seven, with, with a bullet. And Same then here. Seattle, Pete Carroll, seems jacked and pumped. 
who who <laughs> knew who knew but i thought it was too much of an o- uh, overnight rebuild uh let's get jacked up for this one man especially on defense settle down pete um i i just don't see them beating those two teams uh so i i have them kind of you know, in that six to eight win range. And then Arizona, like a lot of things. I like Steve Wilkes so far from what I see. The turnover spree his defense went on the preseason was pretty impressive. Uh, I want to see how Josh Rosen develops, how Sam Bradford plays, but I have him in fourth place. Rams are a wagon. Best yep. record in the NFL, 14-2. and two. Wow. I got your 49ers coming in second place. Like you said, competitive, rough start. Good middle ground. Did just take a tough loss when they lost McKinnon for the year. And while people yeah. think Matt Breda can just sort of jump in and replicate what McKinnon had, if Kyle Shanahan thought that, then he wouldn't have given McKinnon a three-year, $21 million deal. Good point. Seahawks, lovable at times, sadly, because of the O-line and the rebuilt defense, possibly laughable. Russell Wilson, run! Run for your life! Run! They're cellar dwellers with the Cardinals with a spry defense and the transition to Josh Rosen buoying them late in the season but not finishing with a reigning record so we have the same order for uh, the NFC West LA San Francisco Seattle Arizona nope I got the Cardinals then uh, Seahawks okay. finishing in the, in the cellar okay so right. to recap AFC playoff teams for me New England Baltimore Houston Chargers wildcard qualifiers Jacksonville Pittsburgh AFC teams for you the New England Patriots the Pittsburgh Steelers the Jacksonville Jaguars the Houston Texans the San Diego Superchargers. Uh-uh, that'd be L.A. Chargers. The, uh, sh- look at that. Look at me doing that again. Oh, and I'm sorry, the Titans. Okay. I've, yeah, I have two. Uh, excuse me, I, I misread. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I've got... That's a great song. That I got the AFC song. South fully representing. I danced to that in the 70s, I'm pretty sure. Yourself, San Diego. You know, Br- Burgundy will just read anything you put in the prompter. Okay, so we, we differ in the AFC. I have Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You have Tennessee. We both have New England, Houston, yes, the Chargers, Jacksonville, and Pittsburgh. Is mm-hmm. that true? So we differ on one team. Now, how do you see? I got the Pats and the Jags on the bye. Um, yeah, I didn't even do that. I All just I just did. did blah, 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 blah. All right. Um, and I got. I uh, didn't see them. Okay. Sorry. That's let's, that's quite all right. Let's do NFC playoff teams. You I have it. to recap: Philly, Green Bay, Atlanta, mm-hmm. the Rams, with the wild card qualifiers of the Vikings and the Saints. I have the Rams. I have the Saints. I have the Falcons, the Packers, the Vikings, and the Eagles. All right, we're pretty close. Yeah, I there. think we're kind of more in lockstep in the NFC. But I think the NFC—that's the lumber. There's more. There are more wild cards and question marks in the AFC. My AFC title game is New England squeaking past. Houston, so a rematch of week one back here at Gillette. I considered that. Uh, I have the Patriots beating the Texans, and they played a lot of division around matchups here in Foxborough. I have that happening once again, squeaking by. I have the Pats over the Jags in a rematch of the of AFC, the AFC title Championship. Game. Okay. An NFC title game. I've got Green Bay defeating Atlanta. They played a few years ago, as I want to say, in the divisional round. Um, and, and, the Packers and the Packers got Packers, waxed. Packers could not stay on the field with the speed of the Falcons. This time, I think Green Bay has it at home. They win at Lambeau against Atlanta because Michael Vick is nowhere around. Remember, he went up there mm-hmm. in, in the playoffs in 2 and everybody couldn't believe it. Who you got in the NFC? I have game? the Rams hosting the Vikings, avenging a regular season loss with a victory, meaning that it's Sean McVay against Bill Belichick. Wow, offense the, versus mm-hmm. defense, I guess. Old guard, young guard. Old guard, new guard. Who this? Okay. Yeah. My Super Bowl pick is Green Bay, 31, New England, 27. 
We get the second, again, a rematch, Aaron Rodgers-Brady duel of 2018. They meet in Week 9 on Sunday Night Football in Foxborough. Uh, this time the Packers' defense is just good enough to hold off a, uh, check me if you've heard this before, a second-half Patriots comeback in the Super Bowl, delivering a fifth Lombardi to the team that employed Lombardi. This will be my last Cover 2 podcast, Don. I don't think I can possibly. Kevin, you free next week? <laughs> All right. Uh, I got the Pats squeaking by the Rams in a Super Bowl. As as check. Tom Brady bookends his career All right. with victories against the Rams franchise. Once okay. in St. Louis and then now in Atlanta where he pulled off his greatest win against the team he first beat. All right. Well, there you have it. That's our picks. Um, I might add I'm going to go up 2-0 on you because mm. I think I picked the Eagles to beat the Pats last year and uh, that turned out. All right, let's do quickly, quickly. You jerk. Individual awards. I'm going Aaron, person. I am going Aaron Rodgers MVP. Same. I, I think he's going to be the player that has it all together all year long. I'm going to give him the Offensive Player of the Year, although I hate doing that. I'd rather give it to, oh, I don't know, Antonio Brown or Zeke Elliott or Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Defensive Player of the Year. I'm kind of happy about this one. I think Miles Garrett showed us a little glimpse in the preseason of the beast that he could be, especially if the Browns get enough leads in games to allow him to just pin his ears back and rush the passer. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Saquon Barkley. I mm. think that's he's going to get plenty of, of the football because they have to justify passing a quarterback at number two. Mm-hmm. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker from Buffalo. Tackling machine, He's going to be in the heart of that defense from week one. Coach of the year, I, I wasn't excited about anybody. I gave it to Anthony Lynn of the Chargers because they will have broken a, a decent little playoff drought. Comeback player of the year, I think we agree on this one. I'm giving it to Sean Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, who you got? Coach of the year, Sean McVay. Best record, navigates the ship, writes all the egos, gets it done. They're a wagon on their way to Atlanta. MVP Aaron Rodgers comes back. He's healthy. He shows what they were last year versus what they will be this year, which is an incredibly competitive team. Uh, And he makes, once again, Mike McCarthy look like he's good at his job. Offensive player of the year goes to Todd Gurley because he's going to get a lot of touches. Okay. Defensive player of the year repeating Aaron Donald edging out. Edge rusher Miles Garrett. Okay. Correct. Comeback player of the year Deshaun Watson squeaking by Andrew Luck. Sentimental favorite J.J. Watt and even Aaron Rodgers. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Saquon Barkley, beating out the other New York competitor, Sam Darnold. And your Defensive Rookie of the Year, I still think the steal of the 2018 draft, Derwin James, safety, San Diego, excuse me, Los Angeles, Carson City, empty stadium, soccer pitch, Chargers. Carson Chargers. The Carson Chargers. Carson Chargers. Beating out Roquan Smith, eh, who's going to look a lot better, even though he probably was going to look good because now he's got Khalil Mack in the backfield with him. And, yes, Tremaine Edmonds, who is probably going to have 200 tackles as the captain of the Buffalo Bills defense his rookie year. Okay, there you have it. Take those to the bank, then crumple them up and throw them away at the waste paper basket in the bank because that's pretty much what predictions are in the NFL. The best thing about this league is we never know exactly what's going to happen, but we like to pretend we do, and let's put that caveat out there. On the way out the door, who wins the kickoff game Thursday night? Um, 
I'm going to go with the Eagles, although it's not going to be pretty. I think it's going to be kind of a sloppy mm-hmm. game, but I think the defense for Philly is going to be a little too good for Atlanta, so I'm going to go Philly. You? I got the Falcons in Sunday. Pats, Texans, 1 o'clock here at the Razor. Yeah, I'm going to go Pats, but I, I, I give Houston a really good shot to pull the upset. I really Same. do. Same. It's going to be a nail-biter. All right, thanks for listening for a long Week 1 uh, Cover 2 podcast for Don Banks and Nick Stevens and Kevin Collins, our producer. We will talk at you next week. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it under the red arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's diving to the goal line. It's still a touchdown. It's still and a title for the Patriots. It. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.